Welcome to the Primal Endurance Podcast. Slow down and enjoy the show, where we rap, literally, about everything you need to know. I'm your host, Brad Kearns. Are you ready? Let's go. Dun, dun, ow. Ba, 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 ow. Ba, 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 show. Let's talk about how to run faster. Sound good? Pair it up with the show about how to swim faster. Hope you enjoyed that. Same thing with running, man. We got to focus on technique and we got to focus on building aerobic efficiency. Not as much technique dependent as swimming, where I spent a great deal of the recording urging you to uh, get lessons, improve your technique, slow down, focus on building good technique and streamlined body position. And with running, we really have to focus on building the engine, the aerobic capacity. And that happens when you run at a comfortable pace at or below your maximum aerobic heart rate, which per Maffetone formula represents 180 minus age in beats per minute. So that is the limit that you want to respect because if you drift above that heart rate during a cardiovascular workout, you are going to recruit a greater percentage of glucose as opposed to fat. You are going to significantly increase the stress impact of the workout, including the stimulation of stress hormones into the bloodstream that remain there for a while because you're doing a longer duration session, unlike a brief high-intensity session where you get the desirable spike in stress hormones and then you normalize quickly back to homeostasis. So what we want to guard against is this black hole type of training where you're going, quote-unquote, kinda hard, says Ironman legend Dave Scott, too frequently and failing to build a proper aerobic base because you're constantly stimulating uh, that glucose metabolism and you're becoming uh, an anaerobic excess, aerobically deficient athlete. So the secret to uh, competency and endurance running is to build that base with comfortably paced workouts. Sure, you can go over-distance at times, uh, especially when you adhere to the aerobic guidelines and push and challenge yourself to a fitness improvement, a breakthrough workout. Mark Sisson has called them for 30 years now. So uh, a breakthrough workout is one that's difficult and challenging enough to stimulate a fitness improvement. And these can be long and slow. It doesn't have to just be fast. So for most recreational endurance athletes, there is a tremendous return on investment when you dedicate yourself to aerobic training particularly during a base building period of the year, usually prior to the competitive season or at the beginning of the year, you spend at least a couple months, maybe more, doing exclusively aerobic activity with no anaerobic stimulation. And this will allow you to build and build your aerobic fitness without the interruption that occurs from the high stress impact of high intensity sessions. And of course, the high intensity stuff delivers rapid and profound fitness improvement when done properly, but we really like to promote the concept of periodization so that the hard stuff has its time and has its place. But when you build that aerobic engine at the outset, that's when you set yourself up for success. We've talked about that so long on so many shows that we're going to get into some other stuff here uh, 
improving your your running speed, your running performance. And I think there's a huge misconception in the endurance community around uh, speed and the misuse of the word frequently when we're talking about uh, the need to get more speed uh, before the big marathon coming up or before the big 70.3. You have no idea how you're going to hold that desired competitive pace if you're running uh, largely uh, much slower honoring the aerobic uh, principles. Uh, but really, we're not talking about speed at all. Speed is uh, literally the people you see in the Olympics or at the California State Meet uh, running the 100 in nine-something, <laughs> running the 200, 400, even 800 is starting to become uh, significantly an endurance event as opposed to pure speed. And so when you're talking about anything over 5K, which is kind of the cutoff point to even call it an endurance activity, um, most people are con- competing at uh, much longer duration events than that, whether it's Spartan race, mud race, uh, bicycle event like Criterium, bicycle racing, mountain bike racing, triathlons. Most people are up there at least an hour and going up to uh, 2, 8, 12, 16, 24 hours and, and beyond. So these uh, events, these competitive aspirations are predominantly aerobic. And there's some fascinating science that we communicated in the book Primal Endurance where uh, they studied this in laboratory setting and identified that the cutoff point for a 50-50 performance where it's 50% contribution from the aerobic system and 50% contribution from the anaerobic system, can you guess how long duration performance that is? A minute 15 So an all-out sprint of a minute 15, let's say for most people that's a quarter mile, that's still 50-50 aerobic to anaerobic. When you get up to 5K, the number's uh, vastly in favor of aerobic. I forget if it's 90-10, something like that. Uh, Maffetone talks a lot about how a two-hour competitive event, even if you're a good athlete hammering and going hard in Olympic distance triathlon, like I know we used to go pretty much all out, swim, bike, and run, putting them all together, racing hard the whole time for around two hours, that's 98% contribution of the aerobic system and only 2% anaerobic. So yes, it does work and give you great benefit to train the anaerobic system, but you don't need to do it very frequently and you don't need the workout to last very long. Otherwise, you're getting into this black hole scene where you decide it's time to do a track workout, a tempo workout, or something that lasts 15, 20, 30 minutes of effort, and it just becomes uh, sort of this uh, non, uh, non-predominantly non aerobic. You're into the mix between aerobic and anaerobic, and it's a stressful event that takes a long time to recover from. Once in a while, fine. Go do a tempo run. Once in a while, go do a bicycle time trial or a race on the weekend that lasts for two and a half hours and put it out there and open up the throttle. But when these are a regular pattern of workouts, that's when you invite the high risk of breakdown, burnout, illness, and injury. So I guess they're calling it now polarized training, where you're either going really slow, really aerobic, or you're hitting it really hard and doing a focused anaerobic session to enjoy all those benefits. And what are the benefits of doing this uh, super hard stuff like sprinting, like we talk about in the book Primal Endurance, is that you become uh, more efficient with your technique at all speeds slower than that. So if you're jogging along, plodding along at aerobic heart rates, and you have poor running form, poor running mechanics, you have the lazy foot strike rather than the dorsiflexed foot, you have a misplaced center of gravity where you're kind of 
rocking back and forth and overstriding. And yes, it's possible to overstride even when you're jogging. Um, those kind of things, you can't notice the penalty very much. You're not even firing your glutes or your hip flexors that much. You're just shuffling along, basically beating your heart and dragging your body along for the ride. And when you're doing an 11-minute mile, 13-minute mile, no one's going to point their finger at you and say, shame on you. You're just moving through space, man. But when you want to maximize the efficiency of your energy output and get the most bang for your buck in terms of how hard you're working at the heart rate, you want to exhibit excellent running technique at all speeds, even slow stuff. And that's why I spend so much time on this topic in the Primal Endurance Mastery course. There's many, many videos of me showing you drills, explaining in detail how to exhibit good technique, how to do this dorsiflex foot I talk about where you're kind of getting the sensation that you're pedaling a bicycle. You're using the same technique to pedal a bicycle as you are to run uh, forward through space. And you're imagining that the ground is hot lava. So since I don't have videos right now to show you, um, the way I talk you through it is to imagine pedaling a bicycle over hot lava. And that nice, light foot strike and that explosive uh, use of the ankle off the ground to propel you forward, the ankle and the Achilles tendon, that is the best way to run, even at slow jogging speed. So the way to learn and implement these technique improvements from lazy foot and dragging the feet along or swinging your upper body back and forth rather than keeping it torso forward, keeping your arms uh, arms bent at 90 degrees and pumping comfortably, all these things happen when you try to sprint. You will automatically improve your technique uh, because your body is trying very hard to uh, put out maximum effort to get you moving as fast as possible. So when you sprint once in a while, and when I say sprint, I'm talking about 100 meters on the grass, man. I'm not talking about four 800s. So the endurance athlete has this mentality that a speed workout has to be long and grueling for some reason. And I talk to so many training groups where it's like, yeah, Tuesday night's track workout, we really hit it hard and we do six 800s. And I'm like, six 800s is nothing in the name of speed because it's too difficult to maintain a high speed and maintain explosive stride through six of those. That's just another endurance session. Remember, that's probably 95% aerobic and 5% anaerobic, and all it does is get you tired, and when you do it too frequently. Again, anything's good once in a while. Anything delivers a training effect once in a while, uh, but if this is a pattern of training, it's not going to give you as much return on investment as monitoring aerobic heart rates very carefully, and then once in a while going and doing a true sprint workout where you're really being explosive and you only need to go for 100 meters to get this sensation and develop that explosive stride and that balanced center of gravity. Another cool thing that Barefoot Ted does, he's a notorious figure, the guy who invented Luna Sandals, look him up online, uh, check out his company, doing great stuff and very natural and uh, uh, intuitive runner. Uh, longtime promoter of Barefoot Running. He was featured in that best-selling book, Born to Run. Anyway, Barefoot Ted, I've seen him do this at uh, his seminars where he gathers people and he's going to teach them how to run or whatever the title of the seminar is. And he has everybody remove their shoes and run on hard cement, hopefully finding a clean patch where there's not broken glass or oil slicks. But when you are forced to run on hard cement, you automatically implement good technique with excellent uh, shock absorption and the proper use of the foot, uh, the Achilles tendon, and the lower extremities throughout to absorb the blow efficiently and then generate explosive force off the ground. 
And when you are in a cushy, comfortable $147 running shoe, you in many ways are encouraged to do the exact opposite. You allow the shoe to absorb the impact. And so if you are off balance with your, uh, with your stride, with your center of gravity, no big deal because you land right on your heel and the cushy shoe absorbs the impact of heel striking and you go on your merry way, no worse for the wear. So to understand what it's like to run with excellent technique, you got to get going up on your toes, nice tall body, and put out some explosive energy to do it uh, in a sprint session, knowing that you only have to cross the soccer field uh, one time, 100 meters. So when you sprint in minimalist footwear, bare feet, what have you, the penalty for technique errors and not properly absorbing the impact is severe. So what happens is your natural instinct takes over and you start to absorb impact more efficiently because you're trying to go faster. You start to generate better explosive force on each stride. You're not doing dumb stuff like heel striking or allowing your center of gravity to bounce back and forth from overstriding, recorrecting, overstriding again. And that's why sprinting is important. The other thing that sprinting does is it reduces the perceived exertion at all slower speeds. So you get good at working through a sprint workout and pushing your body hard. And then when you're running at tempo or doing some race pace uh, training or competing, whether it's 5K, 10K, even the longer stuff, all paces seem easier when you become competent at sprinting. So you have that sort of mental benefit along with the technique benefits and also making your joints, connective tissue, and muscles more resilient and reducing your injury risk when you are running longer distances at slow speeds. And then finally, uh, we're talking about uh, rewiring the central nervous system to become more efficient, more efficiently fire the neurons that direct the legs to uh, turn one foot in front of the other and go sprint down the field. And that also has a benefit to making running easier at all slower speeds. You just lock into good form, lock into the rhythmic patterns. Uh, The bicyclists know this when they work on their spinning, their technique at high RPM. They're just teaching their central nervous system to fire those muscles efficiently and smoothly. And then they can count on that when they start to have to load up and push more watts going up a big hill or doing a time trial. So those heart those low heart rate workouts where the professional cyclist is pedaling around town at 17 miles an hour have a direct influence and a direct impact on their peak performance when they're time trialing at double that speed. So that's our objective in running is to learn about proper technique. Uh, The videos in the Primal Endurance Mastery course are great for that. Uh, You can pick up some tidbits on YouTube, but why do that when you can have the whole experience right there in an organized, measured fashion? Remember, since you're listening to the podcast, I'm going to give you 20% off your enrollment fee in the Primal Endurance course. How can you beat that? You just go to primalblueprint.com, you click the tab that says courses, and when you sign up for Primal Endurance at the checkout, just put BRAD20, in other words, 20% off, BRAD20 into the code, the discount code field, and you will whack off that huge chunk of savings and enjoy your instant access to all the material but skip right to the running stuff because I'm so excited about that. And I think you'll really, really love it. Even if you're going for 
ultras or long distance stuff where you're not really worried about your form, you'll get some great tips, especially the drills that cement the good technique and help refine it over exaggerating things like the knee lift or the heel kick. And there's a lot of drill work in there that you can integrate into your training schedule uh, frequently. So you don't have to go out there and do a slam bam sprint workout more than once every seven to 10 days per primal blueprint guidelines from the the original 10 laws of the primal blueprint. We're going to sprint once in a while, but you can do the preparatory drills uh, more frequently. And in fact, at the end of every single time that I jog, I do a series of uh, moderate drills. When I'm doing a sprint and I'm working on my drills during the sprint workout, these things are so strenuous that my heart rate is right up there as if I was doing a sprint. If you try to do high knee lift, exaggerated knee lift, really driving those knees uh, and go for 50 meters that way, your heart rate's right up there as if you were doing a sprint. Same with the hamstring kickouts and all the advanced degree of difficulty drills that I show on the course. So when you throw those in, the sprint workout is quite impressive, even if you're only doing six times 100 meters on the soccer field, which for a long time was the complete extent of my sprint workout. That's all I needed to do from four to six times 100 meters. I've since progressed because I've been doing this for many years, and now I'll throw in some 200s. I was thrown in uh, a 400 or two as I was preparing for the speed golf world record. Uh, but 100 meters is a nice magic spot to just develop that running competency. Uh, when we're talking about objectives for longer duration peak performance events, you can throw in uh, interval workouts and things like that during those key times of the year when you are teed up and ready with a good base to throw in some intensity. One workout that I really like that I used to use uh, getting ready for the uh, the bigger uh, workouts that came during the peak competitive season and the races themselves was what I called 4020s. And what you do there is you accelerate for 40 seconds at approximately your 5K race pace. So it's a pretty aggressive workout. You're getting your heart rate up there pretty high. But after every 40 seconds, you jog really slowly for 20. So as recovered as you possibly can get, you just trot along and then boom, the beeper goes off again. And at the top of the, at the, top of the minute, you go for another 40 seconds. So right when it starts to get a little bit difficult, a little bit stressful, you get to back off. So the sum total of the workout is it's not that strenuous. It's not that difficult, but you're getting a good amount of race pace work at an enthusiastic pace. Uh, 5K race pace is the magic ticket. And um, if you're training for longer distance events, then you're getting some, some of that stimulation at the upper end where you might be getting off the bike and running slower or doing a marathon or what have you. But just kind of uh, working that top end a little bit blowing out the cardiovascular system, as Dave Scott describes, where you can do this frequently, get good at getting lively and snappy with your uh, form, and get some good sweat, good breathing going, but it's not too strenuous. So the 40-20s, and I would do that for no more than 12 minutes. So we're not talking about an hour of continuing to ramp up and uh, get into a high-stress workout. We're just talking about uh, tuning up, working on technique when you're uh, going for that 40 seconds, and packaging those into your overall picture. Okay, I think that's a good overview of how to go faster with the main focus on developing aerobic competency and then throwing in some properly conducted sprint workouts. I hope you go out there and have some fun, but definitely check out the videos and you will open yourself up to a whole new world of how important technique is for the simple activity of running. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. 
So Chris Kelly, Nourish, Balance, Thrive. We're we're talking about health, and you're telling me a funny story about your picky four-year-old daughter that won't eat unless there's Primal Kitchen uh, condiments on the table. It's true. My daughter will not eat unless there's f***ing the Primal Kitchen Wilder. <laughs> it's, it's this cute thing, actually, she does. We have a local state park called Wilder Ranch. Oh, yeah. And uh, she calls the ranch dressing Wilder Ranch dressing. Which <laughs> we, 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 there's no way we're going to correct her on that. It's just too it's so, so endearing. Uh, how old um, is she? She's four. Oh my gosh. So she likes like the mayo on a Oh yeah, she so she loves those sort of, we love them as well. We have uh we, we eat them all the time. We eat the mayo, we eat the balsamic, we eat the the ranch, um the avocado oil we use all the time. And and so, you know, that's completely genuine and I don't mind talking about that because you took the pain in the ass out of condiments. I really appreciate that. What an authentic spot from Chris Kelly at Nourish, Balance, Thrive. And yes, Primal Kitchen, you can call it Wilder Ranch Dressing if you want. And uh, we'll send five cents of the proceeds over to that beautiful state park because they're, they're trying to make ends meet in Santa Cruz Mountains. Thank you very much, Chris. <laughs> it's my pleasure. <laughs> 